0: Doesn't even look like he lifts. He's got a nice pot belly on him and he's fond of wearing shirts that say things like built, not born. This guy is completely delusional and it's reflected in his training because he moves very slowly between one exercise and the next. And those exercises are almost always tricep push downs, tricep kickbacks, uh, concentration curls, every little move, you know, cable crossovers, every little movement in the book, what this man needs and what I would submit to you that virtually everyone needs that hasn't maxed their genetics out is to take that time and energy and put it into compound lifts. Now there's one other thing uh, in gyms today that has been kind of clouding this issue. I don't know what it's like at all gyms, but at my One of the two gyms that I go to, I would say 50% or more of the guys are probably using some performance-enhancing drug, a.k.a. steroids. And I'll base that on the fact they tell me. They're not exactly shy about it. The problem is this. Some of these guys actually have a fairly decent physique, despite not working their legs at all and performing isolation movements for 95%. Of their training look when you're on growth drugs almost anything is going to help grow the muscle including moving the weight from the weight stack or the tree (laughs) to barbell and back all right when you take the drugs away out goes the safety net what they will find out very quickly is that these workouts that feature almost entirely isolation movements don't do jack for building muscle. Now, I will say um, there are exceptions. There may be times when you use an isolation movement as a finishing exercise to flush blood into a muscle, but be under no illusion. Cable crossovers, flies, <laughs> dumbbell concentration curls, tricep kickbacks, these things do not stimulate muscle tissue. Unless you have genetically maxed out everything that God gave you, I would say take that time and energy and put it into big compound lifts. That's, that's about as succinct as I can make it. The
1: only caveat I would offer is isolation movements can work after you've done all your heavy load lifting. So yeah. kickbacks can work if your your triceps are already super fatigued from heavy work. And then you decide, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to really burn them out now. I'm going to go over to that rack. I'm going to lean over. I'm going to do them right because most people do kickback standing up. That's not doing anything for you. Unless your yep. upper body is horizontal and, totally and, and, and your arm, upper arm is held against your upper body, which that means your upper arm is horizontal and you're literally yep. forcing the tricep to straighten the elbow out horizontally you're not doing kickbacks you know i see i see guys literally they're leaning forward 15 degrees and they're just swinging their arms they go oh man i'm doing these kickbacks look at me i'm doing no that's not a kickback that's how baby that's how baby birds learn how to learn how to fly so 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 you know but yes i think that these isolation movements have a place if in fact you do them after all the heavy lifting has been done so i do agree with you there i do agree with you
0: there yeah you know, when, when guys ask me, I'll generally offer this advice. If you have the time and energy, have at it, if you can recover from it. If you can, God bless you. Where You know, when it comes to me, uh, I just keep things to the compounds, and that's it.
1: I, I don't train my arms at all, believe it or not. I don't. Wait, believe it or I, not. Right, they cr- they look it, too. My arms do not look like they sure. belong with the rest of my body. But I don't care. I don't I don't have the time to train my arms i'm not vain so let's go ahead and answer uh marcus maggard's uh question i hope i pronounced that properly. it's a good question too he said um if you were in charge of a team of hockey rugby or another contact sport players uh that would be what what would be your go-to protocol when concussion happens rest supplements etc and he said we should bring Lars Silverback Thornholm – I I communicate with <laughs> Lars regularly um, – yeah. on the show. And and, and we, we'll do that. Okay, so what do you think? What would you do for concussion? And, you know, you well, grapple. Number... You grapple. There's concussion in jiu-jitsu. Right.
0: Yep. So, so, number one, I, I would – look, if you're dealing with a concussion, get prompt medical attention. Because you might think it's a concussion, but it might be something entirely different. Like a hemorrhage. Okay? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, can, do rest and supplements help? Absolutely. Can you modify the training protocol? Absolutely. But look, when you're dealing with a head injury, it's not like a hangnail. <laughs> I would say seek appropriate medical treatment. And then if they come back and say, you know what? Yeah, you, your bell did get rung a little bit. You got a concussion. It's not a huge one. Now let's talk about. Um, things that have been proven to help. There's, I think there's a pretty healthy body of literature on creatine being beneficial for head injuries. All right. So that would be your, your supplementation, uh, tip. Certainly rest, um, and modifying the athlete's training such that can minimize those things. So the concussions are serious business. Uh, and especially if it's, you know, more than one. You need to look no further, right, than the NFL these days and wrestlers and other sports. To your point, jujitsu. jitsu I've never had a concussion. Not that I know of, anyway. Have you?
1: Not that I know of. <laughs> yeah. I, felt, I felt nauseous yeah. after hitting my head a couple times um, when I was younger. And they say that, right. like, the primary. I think some people are able to function with concussions and some people aren't. That's what I think happens. Yeah. And I guess it depends I'm on black. the severity, the severity of the concussion, too, right? Obviously.
0: Right. You know, I, I can recall seeing stars, uh, in the gym and I can recall, and I, and I've been put to sleep in jujitsu. You know, they cut the blood supply off to yeah, the, the carotid, carotid artery. Right. 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 And, and that's the nice choke. Um, and, and believe it or not, that is, you know, that, that doesn't hurt. It's just, it'll incapacitate you. So, but that, that's entirely different, right. Than a concussion. Concussion is, uh, High impact injury, and we just want to make sure there's nothing serious going on. Swelling on the brain is a big deal, you know, and it's not something that you want to look at and say, "Well, try a little creatine <laughs> but but know?
1: but but in, in, if you have determined that it truly is a concussion, there are things you can do. so the first thing you can do, as you pointed out, is creatine that's been shown to uh, help people who have actually had ischemic events a, a stroke uh, recover right. faster. But then the other things that you can look at uh, – we just did a show on nootropics, and there are a yep. couple nootropics. C-Lank, C-Max, uh, and, and Dihexa uh, most specifically yep. have been shown to uh, help recover from traumatic brain injury because they actually yeah. cause collateral changes in, in a new neurons sprouting and uh, and neuroplasticity. So because they, they, they all three upregulate – In a different way, BDNF. So those would be go-to for me if I suffered a concussion personally. Creatine would be go-to for me. Uh, Fish oil supplements would be go-to for me. And making sure that my testosterone is in a safe range because with men, testosterone aromatizes in the brain to estradiol to suppress inflammation from blunt force trauma. So th- those are the things that I'd pay attention to personally. And I and I think that yeah, MMA yeah. fighters need to pay attention to their testosterone levels specifically for that reason.
0: That's a great point. And, you know, most people would not equate testosterone levels with that. So uh, you know, thanks for bringing it uh, up.
1: Uh, uh, Muhammad Ali uh, developed something called Parkinson's Pugilista, which is the par- a form of Parkinson's disease that boxers get when they've had their bell right. rung too much. And he got it when he fought oh man, who did he fight that he was really in bad shape already um, he, this is before he started to develop Parkinson's type uh, symptoms he was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. Fraser and anytime you have hypothyroidism you have your testosterone levels tank that's any any endocrinologist knows that hypothyroid, causes a, right. a drop in production of testosterone. Hyperthyroid hi- causes hyperandrogenemia, a rise in testosterone production. So right. his brain was unprotected at a time where he was in a fight. I can't think of who it was with, but he did the rope-a-dope, the whole thing. He just took pounding and pounding and pounding. He won the fight, but after the other guy wore himself out, pounding on his face.
0: Yeah, I bet it was Frazier, But
1: I thought it was Joe Frazier, but I didn't want to say for sure because... There were a couple fights that that rope dope cost him his brain. Yeah, It really did. Uh, but testosterone I, is critical, critical.
0: Yeah. Good answer. Well, I hope that helps. All
1: right. Yeah. We have another question here. The next question comes from – bear with me here. I scroll down to it. Alan Boucher. And I guess that's – is it Boucher or, or, or Butch, Butcher? What do you say? Boucher, Boucher, I think, was how okay. he pronounced. It. Okay, so there you go, Alan Boucher. He says, uh, and "I got his name up." Now I'm going to get. He says, "I've heard it said before that heavy weights don't build muscle and high reps don't build muscle. Really, but that that it takes it takes heavy weights and high reps to build muscle. Is that really true?"
0: Interesting question. And, and I, I think, though, the, you know, what we need to do first is define our terms. What is heavy? Heavy for me, right, is not going to be heavy for somebody else, or it's going to be an astronomical figure, right, for somebody that isn't as strong as me. But generally speaking, if you're going to put a stick in the ground, I think you need to talk about um, the weight that you're using as a percentage. Of your one rep max. So, so let's go, let's go with that theory. If your one rep max is say 300 pounds, then I think we can agree using 90% of that figure or 270 pounds would be considered heavy. If that is truly your one rep max and that is truly 90% of your one rep max, the ch- chances of you being able to do that for high reps um, is pretty low. So, Now that we've defined heavy, we kind of need to define high reps. High reps, to me, are anywhere between 10 and 20, okay? Now, that may be because I train for strength, and most of my work is done in the three to seven rep range, maybe, Mm -hmm. Um, but nobody is taking 90% of their one rep max and doing 20 repetitions. It just isn't, isn't possible. Unless, I don't know, maybe some genetic freaks can do it, but not me. What people, I think, are really saying when they say it takes heavy weight and high reps is that you need to be working extremely hard on money movements. And this gets back to my answer on the prior question. Big compound movements that over time constitute respectable, if not big numbers. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I went into the gym the other day and I deadlifted trap bar deadlift 320 pounds for 20 repetitions, 320 pounds to most people on the street would represent a, a lot of weight. And, and even some of the people in the gym would look at that and say, you know, that's a, a pretty good deadlift. Uh, for me, It's 20 rep work. And so that's a lot different, again, getting back to my prior answer, than going on the cable crossover machine, you know, maybe using the whole stack and doing 20 repetitions. I don't care how much weight you use on the cable crossover machine. It's not going to stimulate much muscle growth. What they're really talking about, I think, are big lifts, that work a lot of muscle mass, a.k.a. the squat or the deadlift, performed for repetitions above 10, and I would say upwards of 20. So we get again back to percentages. How much weight am I using as a percent of my one rep max? Well, 320 for 20 on the calculator that I, I use gives me a one rep max of 520 pounds. 320 pounds is roughly what 60 percent of that
1: mm-hmm.
0: so so really if you're talking about high reps you're you're usually using somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 65 maybe 70 percent uh, of your one rep max and you're working it for anywhere between 15 and 20 repetitions one other point that I'll make relative to this uh, question if you're working at your limit you You can only perform one, maybe two of these big movements for that much weight and that many repetitions. It is used, therefore, as a driver for gains in the rest of your movements. Whatever you do after that, either in that workout or the next, should be stronger as a result. Think about it. If you move your trap bar deadlift from 200 pounds for 20 to 300 for 20, You think you're going to be carrying more muscle mass? Absolutely. You're going to be stronger everywhere. So use it as a driver, but but see high reps and heavy weight for what it is. They're really talking about gut-busting, gut-wrenching work on big compound movements with as much weight as you can handle in those rep ranges.
1: I agree. The next question comes from Amanda Costello. She says... I've been training for around four years now, and I really like what it's done for my body. But what do, you think, what do you think about how important diet is? Is it really 80% of how you look?
0: Interesting question, and in particular, the last three words. How you look. So I'm going to run through a couple scenarios. They're going to be extreme examples, but hopefully it gets my point across. So you can take someone that's eating the perfect diet, the perfect amount of calories, the perfect amount of protein, carbohydrates, fat, macronutrient ratios, water, etc., etc. But that person eating that perfect diet is laying on the couch. They, They are not going to stimulate muscle growth. Because they're not training. It's very simple. You can still eat that perfect diet. You're not growing muscle. Now, you might be able to lose some fat if that person is dieting. Um, now, let's take the other end of that spectrum. You can take someone who's training very intensely, and each workout is going to stimulate muscle growth. But they're not eating enough, or they're not eating enough protein. And consequently, what happens? They will not grow significant amounts of more muscle tissue. However, they will, in some cases, get stronger, primarily due to the central nervous system recruiting more muscle simultaneously, right, to contract simultaneously to lift greater weight. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Um, given those two extreme examples, I believe training is at least 50% of the picture. Diet and rest are the other 50%, depending upon what you want, you know, how much percentage of each to attain. Now, there's also something, there's an old saying in this business, abs are made in the kitchen. And I would agree wholeheartedly with that. You can do all of the hang and leg races, planks, crunches, whatever you want to for your midsection. You're never going to see your abs. If you're eating a thousand calories above maintenance. Okay. It's that simple. So from a cosmetic perspective, diet probably makes up more of a percentage than, you know, what, what it typically does from a strength perspective. It's not as much. Louis years ago, uh, Louis Simmons had a round table with his lifters about how important diet was. And of course they were at Bob Evans where they go for breakfast every morning and Louis picks up the tabs. These men are the strongest in the world. And there were probably eight of them sitting around that table. Seven of them could not tell you how many grams of protein they ate every day. They could tell you they ate when they got hungry and they ate a hell of a lot. And for their sport, which doesn't dictate that they need to look a certain way, only performance, that works for them. That same uh, attention or lack thereof to diet is going to bring down a bodybuilder whose primary objective is to look um, big, cut, symmetrical, etc., etc. So long story short, I think for the general population, training is more important. It's at least 50%. And then diet and rest make up the the, the rest. I Your thoughts, prefer.
1: Carl? Yeah. I'm doing two things at one time here, so hold on a second. So I actually I actually have the server back up. So I was oh, just good. testing it off camera, sure. and in fact, we can run commercials, uh, which we need to do right now. And when we come back, we have more questions, and we even have a question that was just uh, sent to me via F- Facebook Messenger. From Al Reeves uh, in the UK. So here we go. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more of the Blueprint Power Hour. If you post your questions on uh, our Facebook live feed, we will answer your question. Stay tuned.
2: Now, the number 1 best-selling non-hormonal anabolic agent at predatornutrition.com, Progenadrex has established itself as the category killer. If you're having difficulty gaining muscle while staying lean, you owe it to yourself to try Progenadrex. 100% of store reviews rated it at 5 stars, the highest possible ranking. And today, right now, there are guys pouring their hearts out in the gym with a little or nothing to show for it. Don't waste any more time. Go to predatornutrition.com today and get Progenadrex. The world absolute best drug-free muscle gainer wanting to try cbd but not sure what to trust check out h hemp h like healthy happy honest Hemp cbd system makes it simple with one cbd tincture available in three great tasting flavors a super powerful breath spray that gq magazine named a top cbd product and a topical cbd balm that is simply the bomb Relax and feel better naturally with the Hemp CBD system, available at hemp.com. There are a few
1: products that I believe in, the way I believe in see eye drops. I've been using Kancii for 6 months now and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is I've been using CanC eye drops for 11 years now and I credit see eye drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. Can see eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse can see eye drops go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how can see eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today eat dessert
3: again with the new 100 natural line of high protein low carb quest protein bars i love lemon cream pie and strawberry cheesecake but you can choose from chocolate peanut butter coconut cashew or cinnamon roll as well no matter which one you try you'll feel like you're eating dessert but this is no ordinary dessert with 20 grams of high high-quality whey protein isolate, 17 grams of prebiotic fiber, and sweetened with stevia. These bars will make you feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest Protein Bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars.
1: Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win 10,000 or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training need a testosterone booster that works check out Boomstick whatever you need you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon 1 go to redcon1.com that's R-E-D-C-O-N the number 1.com or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today this is the Superhuman channel doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back. So we have a question that actually came to me on uh, Facebook's Messenger, and unfortunately, I can't. I tried posting the picture to today's show, uh, but wasn't able to. So I'm going to have to read this to you. Have you ever heard of a product called Oster Oster Rage from Muscle Rage? It's uh, apparently an Osterine Sarm. Have you ever heard of it?
0: Oster Rage.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, you've heard of osterine before, right? Isn't that like a common, uh, uh sarm? Osterine? Osterine? Uh oh. Rob, your camera has frozen if you can hear me. Anyway, um, Al Reeves says, oh, he'll come back. He'll come back. So Al Reeves wants to know if there's a question for Rob. He says, what's your, Opinion on SARMs like this, and it's called Asta Rage. Uh, we need to rob. Have Rob. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my opinion, which most of the audience probably knows already. And that is, here he comes. My opinion on SARMs is why? Why even bother with SARMs? That's my opinion. Uh, we're going to let. We're going to let Rob uh, step in here in just a second. But my opinion on SARMs is why even bother with SARMs when you can get real testosterone? You're never going to build any real muscle with SARMs. If they even work, and even what you're getting is legit. Now, isn't there a, a popular SARM, Rob, called Osterine or Osterine or something like that?
0: Osterine, yeah. I, so I that's what get...
1: this is. This is an Osterine SARM supplement.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. You broke up when the read the question. I heard something about Osterage.
1: Yeah. He asked if, if, if what what we our opinion was of a product called Osterage, which is a SARM. uh sold in the U.K.
0: I have tried way back when uh, Osterine. I've also communicated with a large number of people that have used it. I don't think personally it did jack for me. The people that I've spoken with, if it has done something discernible for them, they were not able to quantify it for me. You will hear some people here and there about how, you know, I leaned out, I feel fuller. Look, that's a very subjective thing. Uh, I do not think SARMs, with very few exceptions, work. The ones that do, quote unquote, work, have the same side effects, or at least some of them, as steroids. They shut you down. Uh, they raise your liver enzymes, and they don't grow muscle like the real thing. So, in my mind, why bother? And, that, why
1: and mod- that's and that's really the testosterone is so cheap. By prescription through the black right. market, it's going to run you about six dollars a week to do right. two hundred fifty
0: milligrams, and and it, and it works. And it works, and it belongs in your body. Yeah, unlike yeah. Custody, we don't, we know? don't,
1: we don't know. We you know when they. So, so the the androgen receptor, just like the estrogen receptor, think of it as an upside down mushroom. Right. It's con. It's concave, yeah. but it has. It's made up of a mosaic of domains. And the hormone that is designed wow. to dock in it is designed to activate all of those domains. As the name implies, selective androgen receptor modulator, it does not activate all of the domains. Now, modern medicine has determined that some of those domains are bad for you. No, yeah. we evolved activating those domains, you know? <laughs> but no, no, they're going to give you uh, some uh, undesirable side effects. Like what? Oh, prostate cancer. Well, now we know that prostate cancer is not caused by testosterone because Dr. Samuel Denmead is curing prostate cancer with testosterone. And this notion that activating some of the domains of the receptor and leaving the other ones alone is counter to our human physiology. So if anything, that's going to be a problem. And so why even fool with this crap when you could use real testosterone, it's gonna the the is going to shut you down anyway. You're going to have to do a PCT after you come off it anyway.
0: Yeah. Na- listen, nature very seldom screws up. All of those domains are there for a reason. And like you said, selectively activating some at the expense of others for my money, that's going to have worse long-term consequences and short-term uh, than something that belongs in your body like testosterone. And I want to go a step
1: further with something that you just said because I can hear it in some of the listeners' heads. Well, nature screwed up when it created cancer. Nature didn't create cancer. Uh when, when the things that people like to look at like, "Oh, well nature really screwed up." Genetics, really, no. If you're doing something to your body that you're not supposed to do to your body, you're going to develop diseases. That's not nature's problem. That's your dumbass's problem. <laughs> I mean it's just yeah. like it's just like the guy who jumps in the ocean and says, I want to breathe water and he gets down, they take the big deep breath and he dies. So we don't go, Oh, he was genetically uh predisposed <laughs> not to be able to breathe water. Exactly. So don't get in the water and try to breathe it. Don't do stuff to your body that's not designed to do, and nature is perfect. But when you do yeah. stupid stuff to your body, nature's gonna
0: punish you. Yeah, we are a long way from what SARM's proclaimed to be. Don't even
1: even waste your money. Don't even waste your money. So, okay, let's see. Uh, Let me go to my agenda here. The next question, uh, we got Al Reeves taken care of. Did I put his name up? I hope I did. I saw it. Okay, good. Uh, The next question comes from Phil Barry. Let me get to his question now. So Phil says, I have a son who's just getting into the weights. He just turned 13. Is that too young? I thought I heard you say... You started your son with calisthenics, but not weights. I'd appreciate your opinion.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Now that I have some actual practical experience training uh, young children for, let's see, my son, I've been training him for a little more than two years now. So so here's what I've learned. Um, I started him two years ago, and really the reason – at the time was that uh, the gym allowed them at age, whatever, 11 or so with the doctors note <clears throat> or what have you. Um, I would t- and, and there has long been this notion that if young boys exercise or girls, you're going to do damage to their joints. You're going to in some form or fashion, you know, hurt them. I don't believe that as a matter of fact, if I had to do it over again, I would have started training him around uh, age seven to nine. And as I looked, I did some more research this weekend on this. The former Soviet teams were <laughs> those, these kids, and I do mean to say kids were started at an extremely early age. Um, look, as long as you're not doing dumb things like having them trying to squat a lot of weight heavy the first time out of the gate. Uh, There's a lot of upside to starting young, but I want to get away from the physical for a moment. I want to talk about the mind because young people uh, have impressionable minds and it's important to make the right impressions. Here's what I'm talking about. I announced to my son that we were going to the gym and that we were going to start training. I did not ask him if he wanted to go. I told him. And so, I don't know what preconceived notions he may have had in his mind, but his first workout lasted all of about two minutes. I had him perform one set of push-ups against a wall for 10 repetitions, and I had him perform one set of vertical pulls, 10 repetitions for his back. And then I packed everything up, and I said, Okay, Nick, workout's over. Let's go. I did that, obviously, on purpose to make a point. And the point was this, whatever preconceived notions that he had got blown out of the water because he was done with his workout before he knew it. When he walked out of that gym, I guarantee you, he was thinking, number one, gee, that took almost no time. And two, that wasn't that bad. I guess I can work out. And so... Twice a week, every week, we go to the gym, and obviously, over time, you start to expand the volume and, and number of exercises that you're using. I would strongly encourage parents to um, start with calisthenics, body weight only exercise, not just because it's the most, most authentic form, I think, of exercise, not just because it is one of the safest, but also... If you can't move your body weight around, then you have no business demonstrating your strength on external objects. A lot of people go, including myself, went about this all the wrong way when I started training. I would have done if I had to do it over again. I would work on calisthenics until I was at the point where I could perform one-arm push-ups, handstand push-ups, uh, ten solid chin-ups—you know—without kipping body weight squats, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, before I ever tackled the weights. We are also starting to introduce weights, and the way I did that well, was in his body weight movement. So the other day, just as an example, he performed a one-legged squat with 77 and a half pounds of added weight, uh in the form of a weight vest and also holding a dumbbell. And at the end of that workout, I walked with him into the back, and I sat on, sat on one end of the bench, and he sat on the other end facing me. And I slid his logbook over to him, and I said, Look, Nick, do you remember your very first workout for legs? We came to the gym, and I had him perform 10 bodyweight squats with his hands on a bench to, number one, assist him in balancing if he needed it, and number two, assist him in standing back up. I said, you perform one set of 10. Two years later, you're doing one-legged bodyweight squats with 77 and a half pounds. I can't do that. Nobody in my gym can do that. Mm -hmm. And he's doing it with a pause, no less. The point I'm making is this. Once you build the habits of going to the gym and working hard, you need to show them every single workout that they are making progress. Look, you did five more pounds. You did one more rep. You did a more demanding version of the exercise. That is motivation. And that is important because again, those young minds are very impressionable. You want to leave them with a high every time they leave the gym. He is very excited as to where this thing's going, right? I had him start trap bar deadlifts the other day, just the bar, 20 repetitions I said now Nick if you add 5 pounds a week where are you going to be in 20 weeks 100 pounds right where are you going to be 20 weeks after that 200 pounds Nick you've still got 12 weeks left in the year Dan's doing trap bar deadlifts with 300 plus pounds 20 reps you know it's not always going to be linear but he got the point oh my god If I keep this up, I'm going to be lifting more weight than dad. And oh, by the way, I told him, it's taken me 35 years to figure this out. He's got a chance of of doing that, matching it, and even exceeding it within the next two to three years. That's motivating. That's powerful. That's what you need to do when training young athletes.
1: Darcy Clark makes a great point here that farm kids are strong kids who grow up on farms they're they're yep. required to work <clears throat> they got to lift they gotta carry um yep. the the Mennonite family that we buy uh produce from yep. the son we've watched him grow he's ripped to shreds <laughs> and muscular
0: yeah I bet
1: I mean yeah. Elisa last time we were there we were this is uh last summer actually we were picking up tomatoes and Elisa said to me look at him I mean, he looks like, he, you know, he's got, the, he's got the straw hat on. He had his shirt on, but you could see his, his arms. You could see his right. shoulders. You could see right. his he had flat abs. I mean, he was there was nothing but muscle and bone there. That's all
0: there was. It, it's a great example of how functional strength can build lots of muscle. And I'll tell you this also, this generation of kids needs this more than you can possibly know. I read something the other day. These kids, and this is true of my son, they don't have the grip strength that we did because they're not outside climbing trees.
1: No, because you don't need any grip strength to do this. Right?
0: Exactly. This is this. this they
1: got down. They got this strength here, right? They can oh, play. God, they yeah. can play thumb wrestling like champions. They yeah. can't, they, but they can't hold on to something to save themselves from falling down the stairs.
0: Right. Thanks for your uh, <laughs> backup, there, Darcy. It really is true. You got to show these kids. Um, how they progress from session to session. Otherwise, why would you go to the gym? What, to run the clock for an hour or two?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So we're gonna that take would a, be my advice.
1: We're going to take a quick commercial break. We have a question from Andrew Battles when we come back. You're watching and listening to the Blueprint Power Hour with Coach Rob Regish. Go to CoachRobRegish.com today. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
3: Ever feel like you want something crunchy? From the company that gave us the Quest Protein Bar, now comes the Quest High-Protein Potato Chips with 21 grams of high-quality protein and only 5 grams of carbs and no artificial ingredients. Just like Quest Bars, you'll feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest High Protein Potato Chip banner ad today and get ready to be satisfied. Thanks to Quest Nutrition, chips just aren't what they used to be.
1: Are you looking for a better way to absorb the nutrients you know you need? Do what I do and start your day with lipospheric supplements from Live On Labs. Unlike pills and powders, Live On's patented liposomal encapsulation technology transports nutrients like vitamin C, vitamin B, glutathione, acetyl-L-carnitine, and alpha-lipoic acid to where they need to be your cells. Visit try.liveonlabs.com forward slash Carl to learn why I take these supplements every day to help me perform in the gym and in life. That's
2: try.liveonlabs.com slash Carl shape and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com. Did you know that the U.S. Department of Health actually patented cannabinoids as antioxidants and neuroprotectants? So clearly there is promise for CBD to help with a variety of issues. H-Hemp's U.S. grown CBD system is fully tested for purity and safety. For daily balance, H-Hemp has the best-tasting CBD tinctures available. Their Super Breath Blast delivers near-immediate relief and relaxation while on the go. And for your muscles, joints, and temples, the Magic Balm works wonders. Relax and feel better naturally with the H-Hemp CBD system from H-Hemp.com. You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. We're ripped and we're ready.
1: Uh Uh-oh. My own camera disappeared. That's bizarre. I can see it. I'm I'm wondering if anybody else can see it, too. That's okay. We'll just leave your mug up there for now. (laughs) Great. I can see my camera on the left. I just can't see it on the screen. It's just been one of those days. Uh, So Jason Leloux says, uh, not accurate, Carl, that they thumb wrestle like wussies, too. And... uh, (laughs) Tammy Nestland, IFBB Pro, is watching and says that she loves this, what you're talking about with children. So true. Uh, So there's a lot of people out there who feel the same way. Thank you, Tammy. Okay, so the next question comes from Andrew Battles. He says, uh, I bought into the hype that Vector – what is Vector? Okay. Um, And to be totally honest, I think it was entirely placebo is there anything that will really help me get bigger and stronger faster versus just food alone?
0: Yeah, this is a great question. So let me let me give some background here for people that are unfamiliar. Every month, <laughs> sometimes every other month, uh, we all know there's a new supplement, right? A new super something that's going to work like we all want it to work, which is to say it's going to work like steroids. Uh, Vector... Was the last hot one on the boards that I could see. Uh, its time predictably has come and gone. It consisted of, uh, three or four kind of very obscure herbal extract, Japanese beetles, something or other. I don't know what it was. But suffice it to say, um, most people have, have learned that it's largely placebo. So the question, the question comes up is there anything I can use that's going to grow muscle faster other than training hard, eating right, and getting a good night's sleep? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. And I'll back that up with the fact that creatine monohydrate now has dozens, if not more, right, published studies showing people that use it gain muscle faster, get stronger, and in fact are healthier, than those that don't use it. So what does that tell us? That tells us that it's possible that a natural legal product can accelerate muscle growth. So we know it's within the realm of possibility. It still doesn't work to the extent that we want it to, like uh, testosterone and Dianabol and Decadurablin and everything else. But But those do work. Clear. Exactly. Exactly. So they work. So I, this is actually very interesting because I was listening to a podcast that uh, Rick Bruner, who long ago was the CEO of Atletica, they came out with some of the most, I would say, innovative for the time formulas um, that, that are still cutting edge. He was the first to come out with a Repopticum Carthamoids Extract, uh The product name was Redoball. He was the first to do a low molecular weight uh um, protein, you know, for intro workout use, it tasted like dog vomit. And to his credit, he told you that up front, but man, in fact,
1: there, the bottle said the flavor was dog vomit, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he laid it out there, man. It was, it was actually really cool for the time. Um, so, so the possibility is there. We need to break this down, though, I think, into two areas. Number one, hormones, testosterone, and associated growth agents. And that's just for the time being Assume those are legal. And everything else. And so Rick Brunner's point was um, the degree to which you grow muscle and the rate at which you grow muscle is not entirely mediated by the former, meaning testosterone binding to the steroid receptor, DNA transcription, the message to the cell nucleus to turn on protein machinery. He was looking at the other side of the coin. So, not DNA transcription, but rather RNA translation, which occurs in the ribosome of the cell. The structural assembly of essential and other amino acids to form a new contractile protein strength. He was looking at accelerating that process and how to go about it. For my money, he succeeded better than anybody else has before or since. And he did it by bringing a pretty novel array of not just supplements, but also training, Loading and deloading in the context of not like pure strength training, loading patterns, but more so for muscle growth. So he would have blocks of periods that lasted, let's say, 10 days that were extreme loading, way up here in the total tonnage. Liberal use of adaptogens like dexterone and intra-workout amino acid formulas. And then periods, longer periods of anywhere from 12 to 21 days, of kind of uh deloading and then boom back up again. He really made this a science. So we get to food. Food is unquestionably the most anabolic substance you can put in your body. And and, you, and I just
1: want to make a comment here cuz uh, Coach Wade Johnson is watching and pizza
0: works best. He and you know what? Now people will laugh at that statement, but it is a 100% accurate and I'm I'm going to tell you why. You show me the guy that's getting 4,000 calories a day and liberal amounts of pizza and maybe 200 grams of protein. And I'll show you a guy every time that has more muscle and is stronger than a guy that's eating no pizza, 2,000 calories a day, and three or 400 grams of protein a day. Interesting.
1: And his other, his, his other comment was about his son, Wes, who I, I witnessed. I want to say Wes was – well, he was a very young teenager. I think he squatted like six or 700 pounds back then. Uh, So um, he was always very strong. But that's because uh, Wade started him at a very, very early age.
0: I had two sayings, and I think anybody that's interested in muscle needs to remember these. Number one, calories are our friends. They are not the enemy. And number two, calories in and of themselves – are anabolic. And there are actually studies showing that in lieu of no training and just overfeeding, um, these people actually made some gains. Now, I don't know if that was because they were training before and they were just, it was seen as a deload, but look, nobody ever got bigger or stronger eating like a bird. It's that simple. You might not like the fact that you can't see your abs You might not like the fact that you're holding more water than you normally do, but you will never achieve your potential in terms of building lean body mass if you have not overfed. It's that simple. So I would tell you this. Calories are king. Unless you're eating 20 times your body weight in calories, you are shortchanging yourself. And, yes, there are certain things you can use, to accelerate that process the herb anacyclus pyrethrum increases your appetite there's no question about it and it helps store carbs as glycogen um, rather than being um, um, deposited as fat creatine obviously helps it's going to hitch a ride with insulin okay from all those carbs that you're eating a smidgen of disodium phosphate or a few shakes of the shaker on your food is also beneficial because creatine transport to the muscle cell is more dependent on sodium to cross that gradient than even insulin. If you're eating enough and you're using both, you'll have both working for you. Um, R, the R isomer of alpha-lipoic acid will also help you uh, in terms of glucose disposal and jamming more creatine into the cell. And personally, I feel that adaptogens like Raponticum carthamoids um, and other things like erotic acid that increase nucleotides and the amount of RNA uh, that's necessary to grow new muscle, all of those things can be very beneficial. You will never know your potential, though, until you're eating 4,000 calories a day. And if you need to eat a pizza a day to get there, do it. And I'm not kidding.
1: <laughs> Marcus um, Magard has another question. He said, what's your opinion on Humanafort? I don't think I know what Humanafort is.
0: Humanafort, if I recall correctly, was um, chicken embryo extract. And I don't know what they were standardizing it for. Folistatin maybe for the – for the. Uh, Myostatin angle uh, or or other growth factors. Look, it's been on the market for a long time. Some people find value in it, but the reality is, nobody that I know has ever come to me and said, "Hey, I, I put on a ton of muscle with Humanafort." So that would be my two cents.
1: You know, um, if you eat fertilized chicken eggs, if you get your your eggs from a farmer has a rooster and yep. you eat fertilized chicken eggs you are getting a lot of folostatin in the egg yolk
0: right and that's and uh, you
1: don't you don't need to spend a lot of money on fancy supplements uh, Right. Vince Gironda knew this he didn't know it was folostatin but he knew that fertilized chicken eggs put more muscle on guys than regular yep. store-bought eggs
0: yep I'll tell you if you live next to a farm and you can get uh raw milk unpasteurized milk and the and those farm fresh eggs You have access to some growth agents that other people don't, and I'm 100% sincere about that. It's
1: true. All right. One more question before we go to the blueprint tip of the day comes from Ricky Brown. Excuse me. So Ricky says, um, that was an interesting discussion last week about steroids. What I'm wondering is if the side effects are really that bad. I read so many conflicting stories. One says they're way overblown. Then Dallas McCarver drops dead, and autopsy wasn't pretty. I got I to gotta jump on that one. <clears throat> what determines if you have terrible sides or not? Dallas McCarver died. None of steroids. Two things, asphyxiation, and he had a, he had a, a heart problem that was congenital that other people in his family have. See, this is the problem. This is what's going to happen to me someday. Someday I'm going to get hit by a car and killed. And people are gonna remember all of my admissions about using anabolic steroids. They're gonna say, oh, he Carl Lunard died. He must have died of anabolic steroids. <laughs> you know, just because a guy, so, so every day fat people die. Nobody ever yeah. says they died because they were fat. No, it was a heart attack, it was a kidney failure. It was, yeah, I mean, we have to stop broad stroke painting people's deaths. And saying, "Oh, it was because of this." When there's no evidence that it was that, no one has ever died from steroid use. Right. No, and and don't tell me ten years later they developed a heart problem because it could have been the clenbuterol that they used that did it, most likely.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so to your point, if we take if we take all of the politics right and all of the hysteria away from from the topic at hand. And we look at evidence in the way that scientists do, just strict, based solely on case studies and the medical facts around them. The fact of the matter is this steroids as a class of drugs are remarkably safe. If you, in fact, if you go to the PD, uh, PDR, uh, reference guide,
3: right.
0: Right. physician's desk reference, and you look at the granddaddy of all, right? Testosterone. There is no overdose amount.
1: That <laughs> no, there's no, there's no, there's no LD fifty. There's no lethal none, dose none. where fifty percent of the the mice died and fifty percent of them didn't
0: die. And the same can be said of Durablin and many other quote unquote steroids. I want you to think about this. If I went out and I got a liter full of testosterone. And I injected that entire liter today.
1: And, and wait, wait, because I know yeah. people are going to say, oh, you're going to get an abscess. And you did it in <laughs> multiple spots and you spread right. it out around your body. You didn't put a liter into your glute and die right. of an abscess. Okay,
0: good. Right. The, the fact is, there is no overdose threshold that's going to kill you. All right. That's number one. Number two. Uh, Like a lot of other things in life, it depends. And what do do I mean by that? Well, if you take someone um, that has pre-existing heart disease and pre-existing high blood pressure and compromised kidney function and psychiatric issues, and then you load them up on uh, Tren and A-bombs, then yes, I imagine you might have some issues Okay. However, to take someone without any of those issues using the same trend and a bonds, they will likely not have any of those same issues. Now, again, if you take someone that takes copious amounts of drugs never comes off over a period of 30 40 years. Yeah, they're going to have
1: problems. They're going to have problems. They're right. He's going to have problems. But but but, but there's guys out there that have been on HRT for 15 20 years they have no problems. So <clears throat> what you to your point. <clears throat> there is reckless use of a bottle of water. A girl died right. in California drinking an entire gallon of water in under 3 minutes to win her son an Xbox. The radio station was fined, the DJs were fired because she died of Something called hyponatremia. So does that mean that drinking water is associated with death? Well, I guess if you do it in a stupid manner, yeah. You know, the the other thing, and I want I want to answer your question respectfully. When we talk about side effects in anabolic steroid use, we're not talking about the things that shorten life. We're talking about the uncomfortable feeling of being on all these drugs. You have to understand that very powerful androgens like Trenbolone. Um, something I'm fooling around with right now, uh, Nandrolone phenylpropionate. I'm actually playing around with it. I've been playing around with it for the past couple weeks. Um, these androgens are very powerful, and they have an excitatory effect on the body. And some people's blood pressure goes up, and some people's doesn't. Some people's heart rate speeds up, and some people's doesn't. Some people get terrible night sweats, and some people don't. So to your point, the real issue is what dosages can you tolerate? And pro-bodybuilders tend to be of the ilk where they can tolerate six grams a week, seven grams a week of combined oral and oils and and sleep good at night and feel fine and be oblivious and their blood pressure doesn't go up and they don't have any untoward effects that make them feel horrible. When a guy like me could do those, I'd feel horrible. I'd feel sick all the time. I'd So those side effects that we talk about when we talk about performance-enhancing drug use have more to uh, play a role in metabolic processes like heart rate and blood pressure, water retention, uh, those type of things, and the difficult and uncomfortable feeling of living with those. Now, if if steroids caused death, we would be surrounded by death because according to, boy, I can't think of his name now, but according to a study that we talked about on my show seven years ago about performance enhancing drugs and who's actually using them, he's got a strong German last name. I wish I could think of it. The, there is a, a, an estimated average. This is not HRT people now. There's an estimated average at, at any given time in the United States. Are you ready for this? Are you ready, really ready for this? There are like 3 million men on a steroid cycle at any given time. Now, think about that for a second. If steroids equals death, if steroids equals heart attacks, if steroids equals all of these death-type uh, diseases, wouldn't you think that at least 10,000 uh, uh, know, a year would die from atab- direct from anabolic steroid use? I mean, we can—we know— 400,000 people a year in the United States alone die from complications due to smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Like, shouldn't we have some number where we could point that and go, wow, all these guys died from steroids. Here's why. The steroids caused their heart to beat so fast they just died. Everybody's doing. So when we look at these things, you got to use critical thinking. Say, wow, if steroids cause death, where are all the dead people?
0: Yeah, let me I'll say this. I'll leave you with this last classic example, talking about dangers of steroids. If I take a bottle of the most popular steroid, Dianabol, and next to that, I line up a bottle of aspirin, a bottle of caffeine pills, a big bottle of vodka, hmm. and a, and a, a box of nicotine patches. And I said to you, Which one could you swallow the entire bottle of right now and be absolutely certain you wouldn't die? I'd pick the D-ball, and so would any good doctor. At most, you would might have an upset stomach, and you might get a little flushed and itchy. The aspirin, forget it. You burn a hole in your stomach and die. The caffeine, the nicotine, forget it. You'll overdose death. Drink enough vodka, we know where that goes every year, too. Those are the relative dangers. Th- those are also things that you're not going to hear the media discuss, despite the fact that they're reality, because it doesn't suit the agenda.
1: And and to Darcy Clark's uh, point here, these are all. most of these are naturally occurring in our body. Okay, nandrolone, phenopropionate, not so much. Trenbolone and anthate, not so much. But they are derivatives of testosterone. Um, having too little in your body could cause death. Right. So, you know, that's a very, very interesting idea. Uh, these are not poisons, but they can be used inappropriately and they can have effects on your body. But will they? Will you die from those effects? Probably not. Probably never.
0: So You can look, look at the examples. Louis Simmons, Hulk Hogan, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, I mean, you can go down the list. Those guys have all been on for decades and no small amounts. And look at them. They're still still alive and kicking. Most are in their 60s and 70s.
1: You know, I cruise most of the year at about 250, 300 milligrams of testosterone a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then as I'm I'm getting ready now to get serious again, and I'm walking, I'm, walk, I'm going to be walking more than anything else. I'm only going to be training two, three days a week with weights. And the rest of the time, I'm going to be walking. Um, but I've been so, – so my current cycle, my current HRT, whatever you want to call it, the, all these semantics. People use, oh, well, I'm on HRT, and, and they're like 20 years old. No, nah, nah, you're not on HRT. Um, but what I'm using right now is uh, 400 milligrams of testosterone uh, cipionate, uh, 200 milligrams of, of mastron and anthate. And I just added uh, 50 milligrams a day of uh, – of uh, uh, du- it's called durobolin, actually. It's it's the, the precursor to Decadurobolin, But it's, uh, yeah. it's a anandrolone phenylpropionate. I'm already seeing my body get leaner, and I haven't changed anything. Uh, wow. That's the nandrolone. The nandrolone, if you take it in low enough doses, uh, you don't get any side effects from it. Some people who take very high doses tend to say that it's akin to TREN. I believe that there's low doses of TREN that are effective in HRT. I think maybe uh, 10 or 15 milligrams a week of TREN and anthate uh, could actually be a powerful additive to testosterone. Better than DECA. Uh, DECA has some worrisome side effects like uh, it crushes your libido. Uh, You develop erectile dysfunction. That's all tied to anxiety. Um, uh, uh, Nandrolone tends to increase anxiety levels in men. Uh, That's why I'm taking very low doses of this fast-clearing one. Um, But, you know, uh, I couldn't take a lot of trend. Uh, A lot of trend gave me unwanted effects. I didn't feel good. I always felt like I was on the verge of getting sick. It was like that 1AD stuff. One AD made me feel the same exact way. I always felt like I was about to get sick when I used One AD. And, yeah. and don't 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 think One AD wasn't a legit anabolic steroid just because it was over the counter. Because it was.
0: Yeah, I think it was intrinsically active too. I don't think it necessarily yes. needed to convert.
1: Yes, yes, that no. was the big secret. Uh, but anyway, you know, we're going to be talking about anabolic steroids for another thirty or forty years, only because we're not allowed to truly study them the way we want to study them. Uh, because it's considered reckless and 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 dangerous, and also those drugs are not supposed to be used in those doses. Uh, but they'll they'll load you up with SARMS all day long and write a study about it. Oh, Jesus. We're gonna take our last commercial break. When we come back, we have the blueprint tip of the day. Stay with us. We'll be right. dot com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N the number one dot com. Or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today.
3: Eat dessert again with the new 100% natural line of high protein, low carb Quest protein bars. I love lemon cream pie and strawberry cheesecake. But you can choose from chocolate peanut butter, coconut cashew, or cinnamon roll as well. No matter which one you try, you'll feel like you're eating dessert. But this is no ordinary dessert. With 20 grams of high quality whey Protein isolate, 17 grams of prebiotic fiber, and sweetened with stevia. These bars will make you feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest Protein Bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars.
1: There are a few products that I believe in the way I believe in can Eye Drops. I've been using can for six months now, and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is, I've been using can Eye Drops for 11 years now, and I credit can Eye Drops as being being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. Can see eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse Cansee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how Cansee eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today.
2: Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? Renewliferx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. Renewliferx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30 30- off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRX.com to schedule your no obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at renewliferx.com. This is the Superhuman Channel. Evolution just got kicked up a notch.
1: So Rob, I, I got to post this up here for a second. So eight years ago, I came out with this idea for a T-shirt. Yeah, and it's, I don't know if you can see it there to the to, to your to your right or your left. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, it was well, here let me solo it for a second. Spare an animal, eat a vegan, and it's got uh, two robust, healthy-looking people wearing T-shirts that say "Omnivore," and then the guy who has the PETA sign who looks like a emaciated individual. And when I came out with this idea for a t-shirt eight years ago, I had so many people say, I would not wear that. That's insulting. You're going to hurt people's feelings. And I have friends who are vegans. Let's make, you make this clear. But my friends who are vegans are sensible vegans who don't try to make everybody else around them be vegan. It's their choice. And they don't, they don't go out there saying, Oh, if you're not a vegan, you're destroying the world. And, And beef is destroying the planet, which is a lie. And, you know, all this other nonsense. And so I thought that this would be a fun shirt. I want to show it again because I want to ask the audience. Would you wear a shirt that says, spare an animal, eat a vegan, that was kind of funny and cartoonish like that? Or is it still taboo to say how you really feel when it comes to the vegan diet? What do you
0: think, (laughs) Rob? I like it. I I would wear it myself. I think enjoy, I would enjoy seeing people triggered by it. <laughs> I've never got into it with somebody over, you know, being vegan. I I've, frankly, uh, I've never tried it. I have no desire to. I do know when things get dropped from my diet, like red meat and eggs, uh, I can feel it in the gym. So take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, uh, I Chad, Chad,
1: Chad Jared, who I, I have to have on the show, he's a Facebook friend. He's a superhuman in every aspect of of the definition. Posted on Facebook yesterday that humans are responsible for producing 7 trillion pounds. Did I say this already earlier at the show? 7 trillion pounds of of, uh, CO2 a year. 7 trillion pounds of CO2 a year. More than cow farts. More than (laughs) cow farts. So if, in fact, we did adopt this approach... And we did start eating vegans, we would not only save animal lives, but we would, we remo- we would uh, uh, re- reduce the carbon footprint of the human population uh, on the world because we'd be eating people. And plus, I bet you people is the best appropriate protein source for humans. I just have a feeling that we'll find out it's the most anabolic protein source. Have I gone too far? Have I gone too far? <laughs> And I didn't I smoke know. any. Pot. Made- I didn't smoke any pot today either.
0: <laughs> no, you, you made my wife laugh. That's for sure. Okay, she's okay. here one. Yeah. So there you go.
1: <laughs> that's it. Would you wear that shirt? Let me know. Email me at onair at superhumanradio.net. And if you would wear it, send your sh- your shirt size, and we'll make them up. We'll make them up. Cool. Very cool. So, what is the blueprint tip of the day, Coach Rob?
0: Well, unfortunately, we're going to talk again uh, about depression. But more importantly, we're going to talk about uh, making sure bad things like suicides don't happen uh, for you, your family, and and hopefully your friends, too. So just to recap, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I went up to see my cousin uh, who does my taxes. And this is the same cousin, very generous man. Generous is, <laughs> can't say it enough, Uh he took me in, you know, gave me a place to stay for a time during my divorce and obviously helped me out a lot. Uh, I can tell you this. I wasn't the only one. He had also attempted to help out um, another cousin who was staying with him. But unfortunate, and he was suffering from depression. Unfortunately, uh, he never showed up to work one Monday morning. And he worked in a hardware store for decades. The owners, by all accounts, considered him family. And even the customers were coming in, some of them crying when they heard that he was missing. So, um, they looked for his cell phone, which they found in his house. He left it there. His car was also parked at the house. So, as far as anyone knew, he was on foot. And... According to the papers, uh, there was an intensive door-to-door search made over the neighborhood. A state police tracking dog was called in, even a state police helicopter. Now, what the papers didn't report was that he left a note, which basically said he had made decisions in his life, bad decisions that couldn't be undone. Uh, And you know how the rest of those notes go. The next thing I heard was that he was sighted by someone walking down a street at 2.30 a.m. with no shoes. This is on a night up here in the Northeast when it was 17 degrees out. Unfortunately, um, someone found him dead in a barn, not 50 yards from my cousin's house where he was staying. This is the same barn that I had my home gym in when I lived there. I still have parts of my power rack there. Um, and so my cousin also owns different real estate, pieces of real estate that he rents out. And he, so he has a hand, I mean, he's 85 years old. He's a machine, but, you know, obviously 85. He has a handyman. He went in there to retrieve a table to help furnish one of these places a couple days ago and found him. So Patrick lost his battle with depression, unfortunately. And as I stated last week, it can't be undone. There are decisions everybody, everybody makes bad decisions. Unless somebody's dead, you can do something about those decisions. Unfortunately, in this case now, somebody is dead, and there's no bringing them back. And as I stated last week, if you think, you know, by killing yourself, you're going to end the pain, think again. Because the pain just gets magnified, and it gets passed on to all your friends and family. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I have seen how that goes, and God help you if you have that experience in your family. So let's talk now about how to make sure that doesn't happen. I had my son with me here Sunday as I got that news. And so for father-son talk time, I had to broach this topic, which obviously is not an easy one to discuss. But he's 13 years old. He's not a little kid. He understands. It is an issue for whatever reason in my family. I've had my issues with depression. Um, And when that's the case, I think you have a responsibility, especially if you have young children, to talk about it. Right? So we talked about what depression was and what it wasn't. I explained to Nicholas that just like everybody else, you're going to have bad days. You're going to be sad. That's normal. What is not normal is being sad for weeks and months and months. And in particular, and you said this last week, and I'm glad you did. What is not normal is not having any hope. Okay? Especially for a young person. Not having hope feeds into this nonsense that depression will magnify whatever problems you have, that they are insurmountable and nothing can be done. Okay? There's always something that can be done. You can always reconcile things or fix them or at least... Be forgiven for them or ask for forgiveness. Okay. I don't know what Patrick was struggling with. I know what I was struggling with. And the difference is that one of us kept fighting. And I'm not going to tell you it was easy. It was years of hell on earth. And with the help of some wonderful people, including my wife, who is sitting here by my side, I don't suffer from depression anymore. But I only got there by I keep fighting. And so I explained to Nicholas, it is important if you're ever sad for an extended period of time or you don't have any hope, come talk to me. Talk to your mother. Talk to someone. Talk to anyone. Because there is real help and real hope from people suffering from depression. If it's if it's if it if depression is in you or it's around you or friends or family are struggling with it, you need to talk about it. Do not sweep this stuff under the rug. Do not be ashamed about it. Talk about it and help someone. There's always resources to get help. Always. So that's my two CCs on the issue. Unfortunately, I. Um, He's gone. There's nothing any of us can do to bring him back. But as I saw it, there was something I could do to make sure this never happens, at least with my son. Uh, And that that was a scary conversation I have, to be totally honest.
1: You know, I've thought about suicide. Everybody has. I I was just going to say, and I'm sure that everybody listening to this has thought about it. To what extent do you think about it, I think, is really the definitive factor between people who are at the precipice and, and who aren't? Everybody's thought about suicide. Some people think of it inquisitively, like, what would it feel like? Um, I've done I've done a lot of thinking about death over the past couple years, but not the way you think about death. I actually think that addressing my own death is, has, has made my life fuller. It's made my life more important to me. Um, I've actually imagined dying the way my father died on that bed. What is it going to feel like? This is it. Like the the world is going to close in on you. There's nothing you can do. You can't get out of this. This is not something you can change. You're checking out. And when you realize it's kind of like snow day, you know, snow day, if you have children, you watch the news in the morning, all the schools are closed. Uh, nobody can make it into work, everybody stays home. It's like snow day. You just you can't be frustrated that you had to get to the bank that day to make your mortgage payment. Yeah. The bank is closed. You can't be upset because your kid worked all night on this project and not, now isn't going to get to deliver it today. You you just have to kind of sit back and go, well, there's nothing I can do. It's snow day. I, I'm stuck. There's nothing I can do except go with the flow. And that's yeah, what death is, that's what death is going to be like. So you need to think about it now. You need to think about death now. Now, if you've thought about taking your own life just to see what it feels like to think about it, we've all done these things. That doesn't mean you're suicidal. It doesn't mean you're broken. Uh, Everybody thinks about, you know, you're at a point in your life where you just feel like the stress, you can't overcome it. And it's like, I wonder what it would feel like. Like I, You know, I carry a gun with me everywhere I go. And I usually try to color cord my, my gun. You see, this one has a red handle to match my red hoodie. But yeah. it's like if I, if, I, if I thought I was done, it'd take me two seconds, pick up the gun, put it to my temple, pull the trigger, and I'm done. Yeah. But the reality is I can think of death intellectually, but making the connection where I believe that my own demise would somehow benefit others and myself, that's the thin line. That's the thin line. Because I yeah, know that it's not going to – I'm going to destroy my children. I'm going to give them a legacy of pain and sorrow to live with for the rest of their lives that will change who they are. I would destroy Elisa and give her a legacy to finish her life out with, asking herself, was it something she did? And this is, this is, the, this is the part of, the, of of suicide that's very selfish. Very selfish. I don't care how painful your life is, but offloading your pain to other people... By doing something like killing yourself, that's all you're doing. Yeah, sure, you won't feel anything anymore. You don't have to worry about making your mortgage payments, your alimony payments, the stress that you're dealing with at work, all the people that are crapping on your life. Yeah, you're right. You don't have to deal with them anymore. But the good people in your life will have a a cloud over their heart for the rest of their lives, asking themselves the question, what could I have done differently? And if that's what you want, if your objective is to, Hurt those people passively, aggressively, then kill yourself. But the reality is that that shouldn't be what you want. Because if your goal is just to hurt them, then you need to ask yourself, why are you blaming all these other people for the situation that you've gotten yourself into? And I once yeah. heard I once heard a story. Here, one minute, and I'll give it to you. I once heard a story. I think it was Tom Bilyeu that said this. And it really is true. But we don't want to... Believe this. If you're sitting in a building and that building gets hit by a plane, it was still your fault. Because you were in that building by your own choice at that moment in time. No one put you in that building and said, sit here until this plane comes and hits you. You chose maybe not to get out of of the house early and go to work early or go to the gym. You decided to stay home and drink another cup of coffee or watch the news and the house got hit. So ultimately... Your being there had something to do with you. And so when you realize that, then you can free all those other people out there that you want to blame for your sadness and own it yourself. And once you own it yourself, you realize, oh, I own it myself, so I can do something with it. I can transmute it. I can change it. The fact that you don't kill yourself means that you want to live and that you recognize this fact. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, it's okay. I I was going to say, look, life is about choices, right? And and you know how the old saying goes, it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. You need to make the choice of getting back up. Nobody is going to look at you if you make the other choice and say, wow, what a brave guy. No, it's how many times you get back up, folks. Keep getting up. Never give up.
1: Now you gotta say it three times, like Winston Churchill.
0: Yeah, <laughs> never give up. Never give up. Never, never give up. up. The One nine his those- yeah. most famous speech. Darcy, I appreciate your comments. Yeah, this is as real as it gets, folks. It's not easy to talk about. Um, it, it's in, in fact, it's incredibly painful, and there's more pain on the way. Because I'm going to have to go to the funeral and see the rest of the of the family. Thank you, Marcus. I appreciate your concern. Uh, if there's one thing that comes out of this, um, choose hope, folks. Yeah, choose to get back up. You know, Keep-
1: every, something magnificent could be waiting for you that that could happen to you that that is just one day away. You know, yeah. see that? See, I'm I'm an eternal optimist. I am. I use this exact analogy once to describe myself. I'm like a junkyard dog, right? I'm stuck out there. It's freezing cold. It's snowing and it's raining. And every single night I go to sleep in that doghouse shivering, believing that maybe tomorrow they're going to let me in the house. So I'll, (laughs) I'll wait for tomorrow morning. Now, tomorrow may turn out exactly like today. I may be out here shivering and freezing. But when I go to sleep at night, I always think to myself, Maybe tomorrow they're going to let me in the house. You got it. And that's (laughs) it. Tomorrow can change everything. People go to sleep broke and they hit lottery tickets and they're worth $70 million the next day. Crazy stuff happens. Why can't it happen to you?
0: One night I had no one. (laughs) The next night I went on a date with my wife and we've been inseparable ever since.
1: Yeah, look at that. Look at that. And now your challenges don't seem so bad because you have someone that you love walk standing next to you. And it's like those things, well, who cares about that? I, I come home to her. Yep. I get to come home to her every night,
0: every night,
1: whatever it is that can motivate you. You need to keep that in front of you in dark times because dark times pass. My mother used to say to me every time something crappy had in my life, she said something that played out and has, has is, is true. This too shall pass. When I look yeah. back at times that I thought was so tough, going through my divorce, the threat of being thrown in jail for things that I didn't do, I was—I felt like the world wanted to crap on me. Yeah. But you know what? I look back at that now and I can't even relate to the, the sadness I felt then anymore because my life is so much
0: better. It's incredible. Once you get time and distance away from those awful times, yes, you you don't realize how you know the depression was making it seem like there was no way out. But look where you are today. I mean, my God, it's obviously night and day. When they say your day, you know, your life can change in an instant. It can believe it, And, and believe this: it can change for the better in an instant too.
1: And that is what you have to hold on to. Contemplate your own death because it'll make your life fuller, but death is not an option to fix problems in your life because death is a permanent solution to temporary problems. Amen. That's it for today. Boy, we went off on a a tangent there. We went from ranting about steroids to ranting about uh, suicide. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs)
0: Alright, well thank you for having me And we actually
1: have music to close the show How do you like that? The computer gods like me Wait, I better not say, oh no, it's working See you tomorrow